live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho. Duro, Parlay, Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M, and sitting across from me is the birthday boy himself. You know him as the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Thank you, thank you, and hello, hello, hello. Yes, indeed. Happy birthday, Pad, and definitely make sure you get that on the social media accounts and tag him up and choose your well wishes. How do you do that? Well, it's very simple. You swing on over to odphpodcast.com. You join in the conversation on all the social media accounts. The links are right there on the front page. We can't make it any easier for you to follow, rate, and review the show, and definitely means the world to us when you do. You can also check out the T Public store. So if you want to get that Pads Dealin shirt, it's on there, and it's easy to get some stickers too. So much swag. It's so easy. We can't make it any more simpler. I can't say that, stress that enough. We try giving so much to you at such an easy level, it's not even funny. But talking about levels, we got to talk about the Patreon. One tier, $2 a month, and a lot of content on the way. Also at the website, Parlay Points blog section, a lot of stuff going on there between the comic reviews and blogs count anywhere. The classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, organizational link support and Black Lives Matter. All our amazing friends in the podcast community are all in there via Podchaser. Also, the directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 119,000. Sounds about right to me. I am not going to dispute them. So for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on the social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. But kicking off this edition of the show, which is the entertainment edition where we talk movies, TV, and comics like nobody else does, we have to recap the final tier of the last season of mm-hmm. the of the never ending story. So the final batch. Yes, the final batch, if you will, of AMC Television's perennial hit, The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. The one show that just refuses to die, even though it's about The Walking Dead, which is kind of fitting if you think about it. Yep. But this is where we are now nearing the end of the final season. Mm-hmm. The last eight episodes of the 24 episode final season 11 are in full swing and there's a lot going on with that Mm -hmm. so that said pad what we're going to do is break down the latest episode entitled faith now if you're not familiar with the show and you're checking us out for the first time well first and foremost thank you very much for checking us out we do appreciate that secondly we give a spoiler free statement to every topic that we are talking about because we don't want to ruin the content for you if you haven't seen it for whatever reason but we give you a countdown right after. So if you need to duck out for whatever reason, you can do that and you won't get anything spoiled for you. But if you stay through the con- the countdown, well, guess what? You're going to get a lot of spoiler talk and we deep dive into a lot of different subjects. That said, Pad, give me your spoiler-free statement on this past week's Walking Dead. Thought it was a good episode. You know, had some action, had some drama, had some uh, interesting courtroom drama going on. You know, but I thought it was one of the better episodes. For where they've gone in the season, obviously we've come a long way since Rick Grimes woke up in that hospital all those years ago. They really have a lot of moving parts going on, and this is one thing that if you've been a long-time listener to this show, you know that I'm very critical of. I think that there is something to be said when you have such a big cast and you forget 
well, this person's still on the show. Mm-hmm. I forgot about their story. I felt that a lot during here. And I thought that while it was still was a good episode, it still lacked a little bit for me, but that's because there's a lot of characters that got some screen time here that I disconnected with. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but just for me as somebody that's been watching since day one, sure, you kind of lose track and you're like, okay, why do I care about this character? Uh-huh. And that was kind of like a little vibe for me with here. But there were some standout moments, so definitely it was very worth the while as we only have two episodes left now as the finale is approaching on November 20th. So that said, let's get into some spoiler talk in three, two, one. Pad. Let me know. Like I said, I thought it was a good episode. I thought the courtroom drama with Eugene was very interesting to watch. You know, it's not not a side we typically see in The Walking Dead. Didn't go full uh, Law and Order, but hey, it, you kind of got the homage it, it paid to it in a sense. Uh, and then you had the action sequences going on with uh, uh, Lauren Cohen uh, playing Maggie. And, and trying to find her son and, and just that whole thing was, and especially the scenes with uh, Negan, my God. Yeah, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who plays Negan, does no wrong on this show because the one thing is, even with his character, the villain you love to hate, he still finds ways to reinvent that character and really make you almost empathize. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of creepy how, how he can do this, but it's just a, a one thing that Morgan does well, the, more than anybody, I would say, on the show. And it's not a slight against the rest of the cast because, like you touched on, Lauren Cohen, I thought, did a great job this yeah. episode, too. And seeing how they're going to go into their spinoff show, which is something uh, I understand why I'm just not excited that they announced it before the finale. But this is something that we've documented many times on this show. Uh, had they kept that under wraps, I think there'd be more gravity to the situation mm-hmm. as, as you're watching the finale. Yeah. Because how do you get excited if they're in peril and going, oh, well, they're just going to survive. They're gonna well, show especially you had the one sequence in this episode where Negan had a gun to his head and he was sacrificing himself for his wife and the, and the group. And it's like, okay, well, we know he's not going to die because they've already announced the spinoff show. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's something that just it takes away from those uh, magical moments that happen. So... This episode, though, did give a lot of screen time to some characters I forgot, and that made me tune out a little bit. But I do think the Negan stuff was great. I thought the Josh McDermott, Eugene (laughs) courtroom stuff was interesting. Yeah, it was different. It's different, but it kind of plays into where this drama has been going for this season, which obviously now they're at the Commonwealth, which seems too good to be true. And it's like a broken record when you talk about The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. But now that the... uh, reigning figures son has been killed and that is uh pamela milton's sebastian mm-hmm. uh which layla robbins playing a great villain here mm-hmm. but it's almost like we've seen we've been down this road before yeah it's something that it's almost feeling too repetitive for me but i'm still enjoying the the performance but since her son was killed and obviously due to a can we call it a political cover-up do we mm, to us to a degree yeah to, to a degree because obviously yeah. he was exposed for Being a piece of shit. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, he's definitely filled that role on this show for this season. But when he's exposed for revealing what the Commonwealth's plans are about mass expansion and and Mm -hmm. almost setting up a dictatorship, it now becomes the public knowledge to the people of the Commonwealth that, you know, there is not everything is so great as it is portrayed. And obviously, when you're seeing the political power crumble, Mm -hmm. Pamela is not handling this well and basically is trying to find a scapegoat for it and finds one in Eugene who's trying to protect his girlfriend. Yeah. Which is a noble cause, sure, but also in the the realm of The Walking Dead, it doesn't really pan out too well. No, not usually. No, but where this episode really kicks off, though, is 
we start seeing some characters we haven't seen in a while. Jerry, mm-hmm. Aaron, Lydia, yep. Elijah. As they're cover, they run into some other characters. I completely forgot we're on the show. Mm-hmm. It has nothing against the actors. I want to stress this. But when you have this this many characters in an ensemble, people get forgotten. Yeah. And you think they're dead. You think they kind of just left the show for their own reasons. And then they pop back up and you're like, oh, yeah, you. Yeah, you. And it's kind of like, why pad? Reasons. So that's where we are here because the one group now meets Jules and Luke, who I completely forgot. Mm-hmm. So did I. Show. I thought they were dead. Yeah, they're they're, and honestly, there isn't too much to their characters except the one is a former music teacher. That's the yeah. only one thing that stood out to me about him. Yeah, and they go, well, you know what? We managed to escape Oceanside, yeah. which I completely forgot was still on the map. I knew it was a thing, but I thought it had been destroyed. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like thought, it, in the midst of the chaos, you know, with the the whispers and then everything else, I thought it was destroyed. Yeah, same here. So I was like, okay, well, that's not really counting for too much. But we now know that okay, well, Oceanside is officially taken over. There is a small group of survivors that have now escaped, mm-hmm. but they're getting hunted by the Commonwealth. Which I mean, they've been basically trying to round up anybody that was tagged to the Daryl Dixon led squad and almost going to like an execution mission. Yeah, so. They do find a way to escape this, and we go back to an old trick from Lydia's mom, Alpha. Mm-hmm. And, Pad, what is that? Uh, disguising yourself as walkers and walking amongst the crowd while making uh, zombie-like noises. Yeah, so they wind up pulling the old get all the zombie guts on you as you can, yeah. all the zombie blood, so yeah. you blend in with the crowd. And they decide to go, well, we'll just be camouflaged walking with a herd. It is the zombie apocalypse world, so this is very normal. So, yeah. you know, I wasn't too shocked by this. But that's how they kind of escape. Meanwhile, you do see that a knife is dropped during this. Mm-hmm. And now this is kind of where things get a little weird for me. And I don't know about you, Pat. Uh, me too. That obviously when the knife falls, yeah. we do see a zombie pick it up. Yeah, like so the character carrying it gets bumped. It falls out of their hands. And then, obviously, they're in the midst of this herd, so they can't, oh, hold on, guys, I dropped something, you know, can't turn around and grab it, so they just kind of leave it by the wayside. And this zombie does, and it, I don't think it bent over to pick it up. I think it got knocked down to the ground, too, in the jostle of the herd. Mm-hmm. But it gets it's, it gets on the ground somehow. It sees it. Picks it up, stands back up, and keeps walking. Yeah. But it didn't do it in such a way that, like, makes you think, oh, this is a person in disguise. Yeah. It did it in kind of the mannerisms and the speed you ex- would expect a walker to. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing that they've dabbled in a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. the zombies are becoming sentient. Or, or smarter. They're like, oh, they figured out how to open doors. Yeah, like, it's kind of a weird thing to see them that they're now picking up after all these all these years. Yeah. Like, is there something that they're starting to remember their old past? Like, it's a, it's such a weird thing to think about. Yeah, maybe. And that, granted, if you're going to try doing something like that, you've got two episodes left. Like, what's the big payout going to be? Well, and why start it now? Yeah, like, that's the whole thing. So I think this is a misfire in my opinion on this. Should have started it earlier. Yeah, you should have started it. Or, uh, or at least hinted at it. Well, you could have hinted at it at the be- real beginning of the season sure. and tried, you know, slowly teasing it here and there. Sure. But to really kind of throw some emphasis on this, I mean, we saw this a little bit when they, the one hand was climbing the wall when that happened. But other than that, I mean, they really haven't gone into this no. territory before. No. But then this all takes a backseat because, as Pat alluded to, we go into the whole trial mm-hmm. of Eugene. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing Yumiko, who's being his defense attorney after flipping because was, she was a prosecutor for the, yep. the Commonwealth. 
is now really trying to connect to the people of the Commonwealth, the ones that are not in the upper echelon, if you Mm -hmm. will, and is really trying to bring it back to Pamela is doing this. She's manipulating everything. You're getting worked. Yeah, I mean, this seems like a real open and shut case, given the fact that the tape got played out basically in front of the entire town. Yeah. You know, and and it's seemingly everyone in the gallery of the courtroom has heard this, you know, so this seems like, you know, a textbook open and shut case. But as is the case with any uh, TV courtroom dramas, it never is. No, it definitely isn't. So it's kind of a weird thing to see how this all kind of shapes up. But we do see that no matter what, is going on here. The people are, are are fully behind Eugene. Oh, yeah. Pamela says, I don't even care. You're yeah. guilty. Yeah. And winds up convicting him and sending him to death, which caused for an emotional scene because obviously yeah. Eugene is not... Eugene is a character that's not built for this world. He's he's a man with faults, but in this case, it's not his fault. No, it definitely isn't. So as he's now getting ready to die, he winds up getting freed. Mm-hmm. By who, Pad? Mercer, mm-hmm. the most loyal soldier to Pamela. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of a interesting... The head, sh- the head soldier. Exactly. I would say he is the Daryl Dixon of the Commonwealth. Like he's he, not Daryl Wick, though. No, he's not Daryl Wick. There's only one Daryl Wick when we see him pop out every single uh, seven episodes, I think. Give or take. That's usually when he shows up. Yeah. But in this case, no. Mercer is flipping sides. So Michael James Shaw is really kind of running with the character and really trying to establish, like... Okay, I've seen the wrongs of the Commonwealth, which usually means something bad is going to happen to him. Mm-hmm. But then again, this is last season, allegedly, so you know, we have to wait we'll to see how it plays out. But he winds up freeing him, so thus this is now causing Pamela to lose her mind. Because how dare the people rise up against her? After everything I've done for you. Yeah, so this is not going to end any kind of way, shape, or form well. Mm-hmm. Then we do another quick jump, though. Because we go back to Outpost 22. Yep. A.K.A. Alexandria, a.k.a. the original home base of yeah. the survivors. And you're seeing the unlikely duo of Negan and Ezekiel yeah. working together. Hey, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right, because the warden is really not tolerating any nonsense. No, he's also a real piece of shit. Yeah, which, I mean, you're kind Didn't of... like this guy. No, you're definitely seeing that play out, too, because he is trying to silence any kind of rebellion possible. Uh-huh. Because I think they all realize that the people are now starting to turn. If you're going yeah. to keep them in check, yeah. you're going to need to do some demonstrations by force, which yeah. it, it, it's, it's a fucked up thing. But you, it is you, you can tell word has gotten to him about what happened at home base. Yeah. You know, then that how, you know, things there are standing on the edge of a knife. You know, and that knife is ready to plunge into the heart of the Commonwealth. You know, so he's gotten word like, hey, listen, it's starting here. It's going to spread there just by the process of prisoners from our area coming to your area. You know, so you need to squash those embers before they light. And he goes, done. Yeah. Now, Michael Weaver, who plays the warden, I thought did a really solid job. Oh, he did. He was phenomenal. Yeah, he really kind of kept the pace going with this because he was so loyal to the cause of the Commonwealth. He didn't really care who he was doing. And like I said, he was trying to flip a lot of prisoners to their cause. He was ready, willing, and able to do whatever he could to help the Commonwealth. Yeah, which is interesting to see how this is all playing out because there's been a couple, like I said, this was originally Mercer's role, to be honest with you. Right. And now since you're flipping him, now it's got to get balanced out that somebody else has to step up. And he did a great job with this because now he's really trying to flip Negan against everybody. 
mm-hmm. and, and giving him false promises. So you do see this very cool scenario yep. where he's trying to call him in and be like, we need to find out who the leak is. Who is it? And he's promising, well, I'll reunite you with your wife. We can definitely have this all play out. You just got to work with us. Mm-hmm. We, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Yeah, because we know you know things. And, of course, Negan does dabble a little bit like how Jeffrey Dean Morgan <coughs> can only do. Mm-hmm. He's playing it very cool and kind of seeing, well, like, well, I'm kind of committed. And they're saying, yeah. are you really? This yeah. is the same group that wanted you dead for how long? And he's also like, well, that's true. So, like, what's your offer? And he does actually wind up meeting his wife for a little bit, but even though yeah. it's, it's watched. So you think the deal is still there. Mm-hmm. But Negan doesn't cough up a name. Nope. Kind of an interesting play, though, I th- I thought, at least. Yeah, he, he's uh, turning out to be a loyal individual. Yeah, but, you know, it's... It, and Granted, I part of me likes this, but part of me doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like, I would much rather have had him flip on Ezekiel. Because, I mean, let's face it, at the end of the day, Negan is the ultimate bad guy of The Walking Dead. I mean, he is, but I think in this portrayal they're doing of him, which is obviously different from the comics. Right. You know, I think it's just a case of he, he, listen, he's done some shit and he's seen some shit and he's not down for what the Commonwealth is doing. Mm-hmm. No, you know, so he's like, listen, I know I'm not friendly with the, I'm not exactly the most friendly person with the, with the crew I know, but it's better than the crew I don't know. You know, and I know most of the crew I know won't stab me in the back. Yeah. So right now. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting play he does, but like I say, I, I look at him like, man, I would just love to see you flip. Just, I, I know, like, but the, the fact they're going to do a spinoff show, yeah. this rules this out. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one deterrent, but it's nothing against the performance. The performance I really enjoyed. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, we have yet another group making moves. Yeah. And that is the Daryl Dixon-led group. So, Norman Reedus is leading the charge with Maggie and Connie and Carol because they're obviously trying to get their children back, as yep. Maggie proclaimed yep. you know, prior to this episode. And they do wind up saving Herschel in a very cool scenario. Oh, yeah. So they like do... something out of a military movie. Exactly. So it was very precise. Very... And, and that's the one thing, too, with the Rick Grimes uh, experience, shall we say. Yeah. They're very tactical. Oh, yeah, they are. You know, tactical in what they do. Yeah. And they're so smart about sneaking in, getting in, getting out. So this does really play into something, but they don't get everybody. No. There's one daughter that's missing. Mm-hmm. Rosita's. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about seeing this call to go down, Pad? Uh, a little heartbreaking for her just because, you know, they've been on a hellacious journey for Lord knows how long, and I'm talking distances. Mm-hmm. You know, so to finally have the prospect of you think you're going to find your kid, you know, behind door number two, you know, and door number one's Herschel, and then you get door number two, and nobody's there. Yeah. So, you know, my heart broke for her, but then I'm glad she got her comeuppance, you know, or her revenge, I guess you could say, after, you know, where she she left the building and, and uh, tracked down the, the leader or the warden or whatever it was and was like, hey, where's my kid? And he's, like, got this shit-eating grin on his face, like, oh, fuck, am I, you think I'm going to tell you? Yeah. No, no. And she starts beating his face in and then gets the walker and holds the walker to his face and goes, oh, you're going to tell her else? And he's like, no, nah, I'm not telling yeah, no, there's all kind of goes into the final act, which you do see everybody is finally meeting together, and the warden is taking upon himself. He's like, Negan is not going to work with me. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to execute you in front of all the prisoners. Uh huh. 
and this snowy scenario that's happening, he gets up there, he's ready to go. So now he's like finally come into a full circle situation because they do yeah. play at the beginning of this. They've been doing these weird flashbacks. Yeah. Which I know we haven't really talked about too much. It's hard to figure out what they're doing with them, though. Well, it's Judith, Rick's daughter, narrating them. Yeah. And it's kind of like trying to give like an extra layer of emotion to this as you're seeing like the walkthrough for I'm each not character. I'm not, yeah, it's not connected with me. So, like, I, I haven't been bringing it up. I know we got asked about it on social media. And I'm like, to be honest, I don't think it adds too much unless it just no. wants to give the nostalgia factor to watch the final episode. But we tie this back in. This is the first one I thought really made some sense, though, mm. because it ties back to when Negan smashes Glenn's face in with the bat. Yeah. And Abraham. Yeah. Because now Negan's in that situation because he refuses to give up a name. Mm-hmm. And this goes, but the warden is still, like, even though he must get something out of this, the warden wasn't going to kill him anyway. Like, that was the whole plan. Well, and I think the warden quickly realized, oh, you're not going to give me any information I want. Let's fix that. Yeah, so he sets him up to get killed a la the same way that uh, Glenn and, and Abraham did. But then the guns are drawn, and all of a sudden the warden stops it and puts Negan's wife in front of there. Pregnant or, wife. Or pregnant wife, Pregnant too. wife. Yeah, right next to him. And he is now, now you see him break. Well, because he's freaking out and he's screaming, we had, no, you can't do this. We had a deal. Yeah. So you're seeing how this all kind of shapes up, which is kind of very, uh, like I said, phenomenal performance of Jeffrey yeah. Morgan. Like, you yeah. can't stress this enough. So meanwhile, he's sitting there doing this and what, the soldiers are kind of questioning this at one point. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you see coming from the back is Ezekiel. Yeah. Who comes out there and hands he, up, and he kind of gives like the Rocky Four speech to talk everybody out of it. I mean, I'm sorry, that's how it came across to me. No, you're not wrong. Like I literally sat there and I'm like, we're better than this. Yeah, like now you're. You reason- know, we got We're no better than the Walkers. We got to be better than the Walkers. Yeah, I mean that's one thing. I mean, Curry Payton, who's played Ezekiel since day one, is so charismatic. Oh yeah, like he can sell you on this, but it's still like, are we really going Rocky Four here? Like honestly. Like, oh, we can be better. We don't need to fall in the yeah, same ways of yeah. you know, their mistakes in the past. And you see they finally connects to one soldier. And then that's all it takes to to cause it to hold down. Well, for one person at least. Well, for a couple. For a couple of them. But you see, though, during this entire time, they're buying the time because, mm-hmm. you know, when Negan, he's just sitting there, just like sitting there, like, put it on me, put it on me. He wants to be the symbol. Like, in, in a weird sense, he wants to be the, the Siri's trying to get involved there. Woo. Yeah, I said Siri understands the problem, too, because he wants to be the symbol of hope. Mm-hmm. Which, how messed up is that, too? Eh, that's interesting. Like I say, he wants to go out as being a legend, and it's like, Negan, no. Like, yeah. this, this is not going to play your way. But during all this drama, they buy enough time that the warden is taken out by Daryl, mm-hmm. who sneaks up from behind. Daryl and crew. Yeah, stabs him in the back a little bit. So we see that, okay, now that they've unified this group so, so to speak right because that's when we get the whole scene with rosita because they want to kill him and they go no don't kill him and then the whole interrogation thing happens yeah because she's like screaming like where's my daughter and yeah. the warden refuses to talk i think he even gets punched in the mouth ble- yep. bleeds from the mouth and has a shit-eating grin on his face yeah like this scene's wild i gotta admit like i sat there I was like oh damn like how messed up in the head do you gotta be this committed yeah to the commonwealth yeah and she's like, I got to walk her right to your face. And he doesn't even blink. Like, no, not at all. Like stones, man. That is just wild to see. But then she's like, well, you're not going to talk. So she f- puts the walker on, feeds him. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how it, and that's basically how it wraps up. Yeah. So 
overall pad i mean solid episode yeah in, in its parts wasn't I, the best one of all time but it was certainly one of the better ones of recent memory of recent memory yes but that is because when they let it's almost like when you're on a you're on a sports team and you let the star players play sure that's what they did here jeffrey dean morgan killed it in this you had the scenes with lauren cohen and she always does phenomenal work on here daryl dixon was in the back mm-hmm. he was not the center of the spotlights that was perfect for him. But it all kind of blended in together because when you let uh, Negan just run with it mm-hmm. and you start seeing all the emotions, and he and like I say, it's a kudos to Morgan as an actor. He can really run with this when you give him this material to work with. Yeah, It pans out. It plays out well. And this is where these moments were very strong. I thought the stuff that was just dead space, unless we get a big payout later, is the stuff with the Oceanside crew. Like the, was, I think it was just like a hey, here's where we've been. Here's what the, here's what's going on. It was it was just an it was just a you know a, a plot device to explain where they've been and what's been going on. Yeah, like other than that, I was just because like, because otherwise you're just gonna say oh yeah we've been trudging around in the woods for six months with nothing to do. Like okay hey we've been at Oceanside. Oceanside's now fucked. Like okay hey that's what's going on. Yeah, so I don't know. Like I, I guess I I just kind of sit there and go like you're wasting time and wasting space. Like we could be doing something more productive here. But then again, they've done this for so many years now where you have all these different colonies Mm -hmm. that it's like, man, like we need almost like a guide at home to track down where everybody is. Like they almost almost need to start doing on TikTok maybe like a one minute recap of like, hey, this character is here. At this point, it's not worth it. Right. At this stage, no, because obviously two episodes left. You got two episodes left. Yeah. And I'm expecting they better be really killing some people off. I'm sorry. Like I'm not trying to be so morbid about it, but it's like. We've had these moments where we go to this big finale of a season, and it's been lackluster. Well, what was it? They had the one season, I want to say it was like season two or three, where they're like, 30-some-odd people are going to die. And we're like, fucking what now? Yeah. And then it was like, oh, yeah, a car got exploded, or or like a bus got exploded or something. It's like, oh, well, there's at least 15, 20. Yeah, like we miss those lackluster punches. Like I'm trying to think of the, the final Walking Dead season. Or finale of one, I should say, rather. That really had that impact. I mean, Sophia at season two. Yeah. That might be the only yeah. one. Um, I, well, I mean, they left a good cliffhanger, but if you read the comics, you understood the Negan. I haven't seen so many of those early seasons in so long, it's hard for me to say. I'm sure there's one that like people are screaming into their speakers or their cars or whatever, but I'm sure there's one. I mean, they'll hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag GoToPagePod. But I think overall, though, solid episode. Mm-hmm. Not, not the best, not the worst. A lot of directions they can go in, but obviously if you're going to give your star players some time to run with, and they did with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I mean, it's going to be a worthwhile episode. A lot of the other stuff I really felt was filler. Yeah. And I'm kind of hoping with two episodes left, tie it up already. Like, start cutting some of the dead fat off and really get to the meat and potatoes of the episode because I think there's a lot of potential to run with. Oh, it'll be interesting to see. Next episode is titled uh, Family. Uh, Family. I'll say Dominic Toretto has entered the chat. Uh, Looking at the folks who have worked on the episode, it is directed by uh, Sharat Raju, who is known for uh, being a director on The Walking Dead 2020 to 2022. Uh, Bosch Legacy on Freeverse. Uh, He also was a director on Fear the Walking Dead from 2018 to 2022. Uh, and then the folks who have written the episode are Magli Lozano, uh, known for being uh, working on Walking Dead, uh, additional crew on some other shows, and then a producer on something called Craig. 
Uh, Erica Mountain, who was a producer for The Walking Dead, oh, producer for Taken, and a producer for Person of Interest on CBS, also was additional crew on the TV show Rome, so ooh, that could be interesting. Uh, and then Kevin Dybolt, who was a better writer for The Walking Dead since 2019, was a writer for Chicago PD, writer for the BBC show Copper, uh, and then a writer for the uh, ABC show Kevin Probably Saves the World. Hmm. So some given the three writers who worked on the on the episode, you got some action packed shows they worked on. So I'm going to say there's probably going to be some action. Well, I think we're we're definitely due for it. I mean, I I think how this all needs to play out. Obviously, we've gone away from the comic book ending, so Mm -hmm. we're not going to have that. No. Well, you could just not in the same way. Yeah. But I mean, like, I think in that situation, the book's been out long enough. So I think we can talk spoilers about this. Yeah. You're not going to have Sebastian kill Rick. No. So you take that off the table. No. Are you going to have somebody kill Aaron? Because I think he's kind of filled in for that role. Maybe. 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 You're not. Daryl Dixon walks out here scot-free. So you right. Daryl's safe. Daryl's safe. Carol's safe. Presumably. Well, you would think. I mean. She uh, was supposed to be in Daryl's show, but now we know she's not going to be. So presumably she's safe. Right. And then Maggie and Negan. Yeah. Everybody else could be expendable at this stage. I think for. Especially- I, th- I think some of the folks. You know, will from the main cast will die. Whatever the number, like whatever the number equates to, those number of people equal Rick Grimes. Whatever that number is, I think that's the number of people we'll see die. Mm-hmm. But I think we'll still see the comic ending where it's like, and it, and it might be Judith taking the Carl role because in the comics, Carl's telling the story of the Walking Dead and how things started and how they got to where they are. I like that. And yeah. his dad. I think we'll still see that. But in terms of you know some of the other aspects of the comic finale, I, I think we'll see some translations, but obviously not a direct one to one. See if they do the time jump and do that and, and swap. I, I think I think we could see that just because that leaves it open for you know some other characters to come back down the road in a spinoff show. If they if they wanted to all come back with Judith and Daryl and, and Maggie or whoever else you know ends up surviving. Yeah, no, I'd see I'd be ecstatic about that because I think there's a lot of different directions you can go, especially if they want to do a time jump ahead. Mm-hmm. Because I think that you're going to need some closure for that. I know the last episode is entitled "Rest in Peace," uh, directed by Greg Nicotero, uh, story by Angela Kang, so it should be real good. Well, yeah, that's that's been some long time Walking Dead oh, yeah. creators there. Oh, so yeah. either way. I'm just hoping for something good to finish this out because obviously we know Fear the Walking Dead is coming back, the real flagship show. And obviously the millions of spinoffs that are going to be coming here could go a lot of different directions. I haven't heard anything about Tales of the Walking Dead Season 2, but I think if you did the anthology at this stage, I mean, they, they would be good. I just hope they're better than Season 1 was. Mm-hmm. Season 1 went off the track Season real, one, quick. real quick after the first episode. Oh, my God. That's a whole different podcast. Uh-huh. But in the meantime, though, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPagePod. What is your thoughts about the final stretch here for The Walking Dead? The countdown is on. What did you think about episode 22 entitled Faith? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? And are you planning on watching the finale? I've had some people say yes. I've had some people say, no, it's not doing anything for me. I'm kind of curious to see what the temp of the room is. So definitely hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Saturday, 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 and parts of Sunday, it's Extra Life 7 live on twitch.tv slash gameballpod. 24 hours of thrills, chills, and video game skills as the Gameball podcast streams all day and all night with all the proceeds going to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. It's Gamer Dad versus Gamer Dad as two titans square off for the paternal nerd supremacy. Two men enter. Only one will be named Ultimate Gamer Dad. 9 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, November 12th at twitch.tv slash gameballpod. Be there. Be there. Be there. 
Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it is time to preview one of the most anticipated films in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Obviously, of 2022, I don't think there's going to be a bigger movie than this one coming out to the theaters this week, and that is the sequel to the 2018 film Black Panther. It is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Now, obviously, Chadwick Boseman has passed away, unfortunately, mm-hmm. so the character of T'Challa will no longer be in the MCU. Yep. And this is one that we're waiting to see how it'll be reacted through the MCU. Yeah, well, uh, and especially with, you know, obviously, as you've seen from the trailers or the TV spots, somebody's taking over the role mm-hmm. of Black Panther and who that is, you know, yet to be seen. No, it, we definitely don't know who is going to be playing the new Black Panther in this. Obviously, we just know it will not be the character of T'Challa. Mm-hmm. We do know from the trailers that they will be paying homage to yep. Chadwick Boseman's passing with the character of T'Challa is having a big funeral yep. going on, and rightfully so. Yep. I mean, just unfortunate what happened with him uh, losing a battle to cancer and just taken way too soon. Uh So the MCU is doing the right thing. They have not recasted anybody in that role. No, I don't don't even think they're going to go the CGI route. No, and rightfully not. I I think that that would... I never thought they were going to. I know that there were some websites immediately after he passed where like Ari yeah. Posen who was going to do it. And shame on them for doing it. I'm not giving them any time of day. I have everyone I saw do that blocked because I did not want to even deal with that. A man just passed away, and yet we're sitting here worried about a movie. That's the least thing of the mind. But we do know that they are going to be doing the sequel, and this one has definitely got a lot of people talking for the <coughs> right reasons because the trailer looked amazing that we yeah. saw come out i mean obviously yeah. with the bob marley cover of no woman no cry playing in the background mm-hmm. and you're seeing the funeral procession and you're yep. seeing a lot of things that we were waiting kind of see heard rumors about who's going to be the villain of this how yeah. we're going to go about this just because so much of this movie given the circumstances like we mentioned with the unfortunate passing of chadwick boseman you know what's going to happen with the movie what are they going to do with the story how are things going to change you know, there was a lot of anticipation, and things were kept very much under wraps. I know some movies, you know, especially the Marvel ones, set photos leak out and plot information leaks out. But up until the trailer, I don't really think we heard too much about, you know, specific plot details. You heard some gossip and some hearsay and some, you know, innuendo of what could happen, but it wasn't anything definitively like this is going to happen. Right. No, the only thing that we knew is Ryan Coogler was coming back to write and direct. And we do know that some the the cast was coming back. Latia Wright was coming back as Shuri. Yep. Lupita Longo it was coming back as Nakia. Yep. The Nai Guerrero was coming back as Okoye. Winston Duke was coming back as Mbaku. Mm-hmm. And we did know that we were going to have a debut in the MCU, the cinematic universe of the oldest mutant in Marvel history, and that's the. Namor, the Submariner, mm-hmm. who's been around since the 1939, I want to say. Something like that. He, Like I say, he's the first mutant on record in the Marvel Comics universe, played by Tenak Hura. And the uh, film rights have been in confusion for the last 20 years. Well, fans have to remember when Marvel started doing films, I, the ideas of them, shall we say, in the 90s, it was a very different time for them. No, you're right, but it's also the fact that nobody knew who had the goddamn rights or what part he was sold under. Well, that's where I was going with this, because all the different characters were sold to different uh, movie Mm -hmm. studios. So nobody was really sure about who had the rights to Namor. So now to see him finally appear in the MCU, this definitely gives a lot of stories that they can really do some proper justice to from the comics. And one of the underlying themes is that... If we want to use rivals, mm-hmm. 
Black Panther and Namor have always kind of had this rivalry in the comics. Like they don't really see yeah. eye to eye because, well, they're both royalty. So yeah. it, it's, you know, something to be said, almost like in a Game of Thrones sense. Kind of. You know, it's sure. like who, you know, who I guess is the most notable king, if you mm-hmm. want to say. Because Namor, like, let's face it, if you have never read a Namor comic, Namor is an asshole. Yeah. Like, I, there's no other way to describe it. Like, he is just yeah. an arrogant POS. Yeah. But he's he's somebody that captivates you. And, like, the thing is, when he's done well, he's a great character. Like mm-hmm. I said, you've always seen him kind of connected with everybody from the Avengers to a rival to the Fantastic Four. Well, to Reed Richards, more or less, he does like Sue Storm. Yeah, that's they, true. They've always kind of had a, a, you know, the... Would would you know what would happen? It's kind of you know thing, um, and it's always and he's more recently been tied to the X Men as of late. Sure, but he's a character like I said, he's been around since the 1930s. I always remember him from being part of the original Invaders, which I know I'm dating myself here with the uh, superhero team of the original Human Torch, the robots, okay, and Captain America, Bucky, Toro, and, and Namor. So like I said, he has been around quite some time, so they can definitely do a lot of uh, interesting things. But he's really just kind of presented that uh, arrogance, shall we, sh- shall we say, mm-hmm. in uh, the later years. Yeah. Like I say, if you haven't read him, uh, you're going to kind of not really like him at first, but he does have kind of this weird charm to him. But Yeah, a little bit. Like I say, he's all about Atlantis, even though it's no known as Talcon mm-hmm. in the cinematic universe. Because obviously I don't think they want any confusion with Aquaman. No. Because, uh, you know, when you start talking big movie budgets... You don't want everybody thinking it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it is going to be interesting to see how it's played out. But from what we've seen from the trailer, I really like how they've done the character justice. Like, yeah. we haven't seen too much of Hiroita's performance, mm-hmm. but enough that I'm going, okay, I'm in. Because, it's a couple of glimpses. Well, because the thing is, he's he's a hothead. Like, at, at yeah. the end of the day, yeah. he's ruling, and he does not really listen to reason. So that usually causes a lot of the conflicts he's in in the comics universe. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of something that's happened here with Wakanda. And I think that which I have not read any spoilers. I'm not reading any early reviews of the people that have been posting it, which yet again, if you've been to a screening, keep it to yourself till after people see the movie, please. That would be the nice thing to do. You, I'm really guessing that they're going to get manipulated into fighting each other. Wakanda and Talcon. Probably. I would love to see this be Dr. Doom behind this all. Yeah, too soon. Nah, you think? Yeah. Well, who do you think would be pulling? The I don't. I, I think when they were writing this film and given the upheaval they had with the unfortunate passing of Chadwick Boseman, I don't think they had the rights to it. Hmm. Uh, that could be the case. I, I think when they because I think I I would imagine there are some story elements from, I guess you could say the first draft of this movie, you know, or the initial draft that are still around. I'm not entirely sure they would have had the rights to it yet. But I, I but I could be wrong. No, that's something. That it could definitely happen. It could also be tied into Julia Louis Dreyfus's character. That seems that, more likely. That she's pulling some strings. I just don't know if, if like, where they all kind of falls out. But that's basically, we do know there's a conflict between Wakanda and Talcon. Mm-hmm. And how that's going to play out, that's going to be the driving force of this movie. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of different stories that they can really run with. And we do see that they are introducing another character into the MCU. Dominique Thorne is going to be playing Riri Williams, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Ironheart. Yep. We're going to see her debut in the MCU here. Yep. So how this is all going to get matched together? I mean, this is really kind of anybody's guess. I mean, it's obviously going to be you know a little emotional because it's going to they're going to spend probably a decent amount of time, not like most of the movie, but a, a good chunk of change of the movie of you know remembering Chadwick Boseman and, and the uh, 
T'Challa because without Chadwick Boseman, you know, the movie wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's going to be emotional. It's going to be, you know, a pull at the heartstrings. But I think the other part of it is is going to be a little. I don't want to say, you know, international, kind of international, international espionage, because just the vibe I'm getting off of the trailer is that, you know, uh, Namor and and his crew are trying to exploit Wakanda when they're at their most vulnerable, because there is one moment in the trailer that was just posted a couple of days ago is somebody says, you know, they're at, they're at their weakest without their protector. Mm -hmm. And of course the protector of Wakanda is the Black Panther. Right. So that could definitely play into it. And with the espionage factor, we do know that Martin Freeman is coming back as Everett Ross. Uh-huh. So that will tie in somewhere. His slimy hands are going to be there. Exactly. But, I mean, and they tie into a lot from the comics runs that the Black Panther has had throughout the years, too. Mm-hmm. How this one is going to play out, like I say, it, they've really kept everybody a guess. Otherwise, there's this big conflict. I just think there's going to be somebody else pulling the strings. Like, that's how Maybe. it kind of plays out. Because Namor can be manipulated sure. to a degree. Because, like I said, he's such an arrogant jerk. Mm-hmm. To, and, like I say, it's probably the easiest way to describe him at times. That he will just kind of run with something if somebody talks him into it. And he and this will cause the conflict there. Like, if he gets told, like, Wakanda's planning on attacking him, he will be proactive and go after Wakanda. Oh, like, yeah, without, that, even, without even batting an eye. Yeah, and I think they're going to spend a lot of time diving into his origin, too, because we do know the runtime for this film, two hours and 40 minutes. Right. So. It's about well, average. Yeah, which, well, for an epic like this, and I do say epic because you, you think about the impact the first Black Panther film had and really kicked off another phase for the MCU, you now are looking at this. And going, okay, they really want to make sure they're they're going to really set a pace for this new wave of the MCU post-Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like I say, because when the Black Panther came in, that tied into a whole different group, as we saw in Civil War, of a lot of faces that we saw in the comics now finally coming into the MCU. And now to see where this is going to go, because we still haven't really dabbled into the next phase. No. We do know that Quantumania is coming out in February. Yep. On, I think that's the start of Phase 5, though. That could be the start of Phase 5, but where this kind of plays in, we do know we're going to get a bonus scene of somewhere. Right. I'm not expecting to see Kang whatsoever. I'm going to put that out on record right now. No, it's probably going to be something from one of the opening parts of uh, Quantumania. You know, something that's, like, juicy enough that fans go, oh, shit, you know, but not anything that gives a lot away. Kind of like they had the one scene from, I forget what movie it was, but it was when Falcon and Cap were interrogating Bucky. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, the oh, fuck, it's Bucky. Like, holy shit. Like, in terms of the story overall, when you got to the movie, not the biggest scene in the world. But in terms of you seeing it for the first time, you went, holy fuck. Yeah, I mean, I think they can definitely tie in something there. I, I, you know what? I wouldn't doubt seeing, because they did say they were going to bump it up to a movie, if memory serves me right, was uh, Armor Wars. I don't think they've even started filming. No, but, I mean, they could do a bonus scene, though, yeah. and, and sneak something in there. Like, that's just the possibilities. But when the MCU does a film, you know it's going to shut down pop culture for 24 hours at least. This film is definitely going to do it, like I say. This, I, one, this one a little longer, given the circumstances. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I think they're going to do a, a fitting tribute to a great actor who passed away, you know, way too soon. And I think that picking up the story of the Black Panther is going to be an interesting thing to see play out, especially now with Namor thrown in the mix. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of combustible elements of dealing with different countries and political intrigue. And I think they're going to do it very tastefully. And I think it's going to be a fun movie to watch. Like I said, everything we've seen, uh, from the trailers thus far, it just, it looks awesome. Yeah, it does. And I'm very, very excited to go see it on open at night. I, and like I say, I've been ducking spoilers left and right. I said, my, my bold prediction we're going to hear Latveria get mentioned. Maybe. And we're going to hear Doom 
possibly you'll just get reference. We're not going to see him on screen, obviously, but you're going to see that maybe he will have something to do with this because I would love to see if if they can ever pull it off a version of Doom War. I yeah, think that would be maybe. a real cool that's, story. That's line. so far down the road. I know, but you know what? I don't mind. You're, you're booking phase 12. I know, but I like, I like to think ahead like that. That's just how I work. Pat, final thoughts on the movie going into it. Can't wait to see it and can't wait to see what they do with uh, the character in, this, in the story overall. I, you know, I've read some stuff about what would have happened You know, with the initial draft of the movie. I'm interested to see what will happen. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm super excited to see this movie. I'm really trying to contain it because uh, I'm going to be so pumped up going, coming to the movie theaters. And then definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. No spoilers, though, through the weekend if you're going to be posting on socials. Like, let's let's get everybody a chance to go check the film out. Monday morning, I mean, we're going to go wide open with it if we want to start talking some spoilers because I, I know it will get ruined by then. But for what they're doing here, this is going to be an epic film that I, I can't see this failing in any way, shape, or form. I think that Ryan Coogler is going to go back and really capture the magic of the first film and really present it to, and obviously that tribute to Chadwick Boseman is going to be amazing on this. And I cannot wait to see Namor debut with Talcon and the Atlantean forces, or, formerly, or I should say formerly known as Atlantean forces, and see how that drama plays out. Like This is going to be a big win for comic fans. I can't guess where they're going to go from here, but I'll tell you what, I cannot wait to be in the theater on Thursday to check this out. So let us know what you think about it. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, and welcome to The Capsule Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I'm your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels have to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals, roundtable discussions with passionate fans, and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can also check out our website, www.thecaptionlife.com, to find out where you can listen to us, a list of all of our episodes, and where you can find us on social media under the YouTube username at caption life you'll get a new episode from us every week so hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out coming back for the final segment on this edition of the odph podcast pad what you got just got two things to talk about uh the first of which is disney is looking at doing an indiana jones tv series for disney plus oh Uh, so this according to the folks over at variety.com their article reads quote disney is actively looking to develop an indiana jones tv show for disney plus variety has learned exclusively from sources the Mouse House and Lucasfilm have been have specifically been bringing up the possibility of a streaming show set in the world of the globe-trotting archaeologist in general meetings with writers of late, sources say. They're still looking for a writer to take on the project, thus no plot details are available. Given that, it is unknown if a series would serve as a prequel to or, to or spin-off of the film franchise, or if it would tie into the upcoming fifth Indiana Jones film, similar to how Disney has tied its Marvel shows in, uh, on Disney Plus into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, the move to potentially develop an Indiana Jones show comes as Harrison, Form ha- Harrison Ford has stated he is done playing the character after the fifth film, which is due out in 2023. In addition, sources say Disney is currently exploring a number of options to keep the franchise going, which could mean a series, uh, a series, new films, other media, or a combination thereof. Reps for Lucasfilm declined to comment. Should a series move forward, it would not be the first show about Indiana Jones to make it to air. The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles aired for two seasons on ABC from 1992 to 1993, with four made-for-TV specials airing on the Family Channel, now Freeform, between 1994 and 1996. 
Ford made a cameo appearance in one episode, but the show focused primarily on the early years of the character, with Sean Patrick Flannery and Corey Carrier playing him at different times in his life. George Hall played an elderly Jones bookending each episode. Uh, close quote. So, uh, listen, Indiana Jones TV series, I'm all for it. I know people are screaming for, like, a continuation of Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Uh, slight problem with that. Paramount still owns the rights to that show, hence why it's on Paramount Plus, so can't do that. I think there's plenty of room, though, just because you look at the time periods that the original three movies take in, and even the time period between the third and fourth one. There's enough playroom there that, like, you can do something crazy. You can do something crazy with that. Or even, you know, they did, you know, when he was young, maybe his teenager, young adult years, you know, maybe something in his formative years of how he really rose to prominence. I'm all for it, though. Yeah, you know, the thing about Indiana Jones, it's like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of torn. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stories you can do with. I don't know if you need to do a young Indiana Jones or, like, wherever you want to do it. Sure. But... It's kind of like a, a thing, if it's done well, I'll be into it. Sure. But I just know, like, the last couple of films really haven't done anything for me. So I'm not I'm not hating on it, mm-hmm. but I'm not, like, super, like, yeah, right. like, let's go. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that the powers that be are going to make this a really a mm-hmm. big priority. So I have full faith they're going to do something well. I think if you can, as long as you can get Spielberg involved in some way, and I'm not saying Spielberg's going to direct because Christ, that man's busy for the next like five years. But is if you can get some creative input from Spielberg, from Lucas, you know, then I think it's got some potential. Yeah. I think you're going to definitely need it. I think if you don't have them involved in some like, I don't want to say major capacity, but like a, like a real hands on. Yeah. Like a real consultant, like not pulling anything back. I think then you're going to be okay. But I think if you don't have that, like, I think you're missing something there. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just me. But I'll be excited to check it out. Like, I will watch the first episode. I, I guarantee well, you. Well, that's I'll, if it even happens. We're, we're so far down the road from that. Right. But that's the whole thing. Like, I, I think if they're announcing it, I think the fan base is going to get wound up enough that the, they will do one. Mm-hmm. But it's just a matter of, like, what exactly are you going to do? And, like, is this going to really be worth the while? Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm sudden with that. Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, we got some Star Wars news uh, for the upcoming TV series, The Acolyte. Oh, uh, so this coming to us from StarWars.com. So they're about as official as it gets. Yeah, I was going to say you can't get more official. Can't than get that. more official than this. Uh, the article reads, quote, this is a Monday to celebrate for Star Wars fans. Today, Disney Plus announced the casting for The Acolyte, an upcoming Star Wars original series from Lucasfilm, joining the previously announced uh Amalda Steinberg from The Hate You Give, our Emmy Award-winning Lee Jung-jae from Squid Game, uh, Manny Jankito from Nine Perfect Strangers, Daphne Keene from His Dark Materials, Jodie Turner-Smith from Queen and Slim, Rebecca Henderson from Inventing Anna, and then Charlie uh, Barnett from Russian Doll, Dean Charles Chapman from 1917, and Carrie Ann Moss really from The Matrix. Uh, Lucasfilm also revealed the uh, first behind-the-scenes image from the series, which you can check out below, and it's a photo of some of the folks on set uh, in street clothes. Uh, The article goes on to say, The Acolyte is a mystery thriller that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. A former Padawan reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes, but the forces they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated. 
The High Republic saw the Jedi Order at its prime. Centuries prior to the events of Star Wars The Phantom Menace, uh, you can learn about more about this era at StarWars.com's official hub for all things The High Republic. Uh, from creator, showrunner, and executive producer Leslie Headland, Russian Doll, uh, the Acolyte has begun production in the UK. The executive producers are Kathleen Kennedy, Simon Emanuel, Jeff F. King, and Jason McAuliffe. Rain Roberts and Damon Anderson, Damian Anderson are producing. Headland will also direct the series pilot. Uh, the Acolyte will stream exclusively on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so this looks like it might end up tying to some of the stuff. Now, they mentioned the High Republic. That is the multimedia uh, crossover story they've had going mm. between the books, the young adult books, the kids' books, the comics, uh, and... and even I think there's a plans of a video game or something coming down the road. Uh, but it looks like it might tie into some of that, which, hey, if you're not reading The High Republic and you've been turned off by Star Wars books for whatever reason, give The High Republic a shot. It's some of the best Star Wars storytelling they've done in books recently. Uh, so if we, if we get more of that, and hell, Carrie and Moss, holy shit. Yeah, no, that's big. That's real big. Yeah, it is. So definitely intrigued by this. I mean, like I said, Andor hasn't really been doing too much for me, but I'm gonna jump this, jumping back in. This week's Andor, holy fucking shit! Yeah. Oh might, my god. We might have. I might have to binge it and catch up for next week because I know that is one that I I keep getting messaged about. Like you got to go back. You got to go back. This episode was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. So hearing a lot of good buzz about that. So definitely something to keep on the radar for me about that. On my end, uh, definitely want to talk DC Titans on HBO Max. So season four has kicked off, and the first two episodes are out right now. And definitely got to say this. I think, spoiler-free statement on this, it's been good. Okay. Uh, it's Pad, I will say this. I think you would like certain parts of this. I know you won't like other parts of this mm. because they do have a horror element in this. Oh, yeah, I'm out. So, yeah, so like, I, I, it's kind of interesting to see. Because where the 2018 show, can you believe it's been around since that long? Uh, kind of, yeah. It's been. It feels like it's been around a while. Yeah, I mean, the show that obviously kicked off in the DC Universe, remember when that was a streaming service, uh, definitely caught some fire for having arguably the worst trailer in recent memory to really turn off fans because everybody remembers, fuck you, Batman. Yeah, fuck Batman. Yeah, but... Uh, when you get start deep diving into what was really going on, that was such a misleading scene, to say the least. But Brendan Thwaites, who's been playing Nightwing since day one, Anna Diop, who's I think is the MVP of the show, has been playing Starfire, is back. Uh, Tegan Croft is playing Raven. Ryan Potter has been playing uh, Beast Boy. So they definitely have the elements of the original team in there. And they've added a couple of different members in as well. Uh, most recently, Josh Orpin has joined the show, is playing Connor Kent. And they've added Jay Laringo, who has been playing Tim Drake, or Luke Krigo. Okay. Uh, so he's just been a, a recent addition from this past season. Because season three, they were in Gotham. And definitely had a very cool storyline going on there. And the show, I, I feel like with these two episodes, has really caught a good vibe. And has definitely taken an interesting turn, diving into some Titans mythology but also really kind of exploring the team unit. Like I, th I, like I said, the first episode, I really felt like this is Teen Titans. Like this is what I remember reading in the comics. Second episode has got a little different vibe to it, but it definitely is one that I, I'm not going to lie. It has my attention. So definitely think you should ch check it out. So in three, two, one, the reason you should check this out is Lex Luthor is involved. They're diving into Superboy's backstory because obviously you know he's a clone. Connor Kent is 
of Superman and Lex Luthor. They do have this a meeting where the team is like coming together bowling and they're kind of like after everything they've gone through Gotham, it's kind of like a relaxing moment they have going on. But they get a message that Superman, the Superman wants to meet Connor. So they make their way to Metropolis. Pat, we get a Star Labs, oh, like okay. an actual Star Labs, not saying anything against the DC Flash show yeah, yeah. on CW. But this is like really felt like Star Labs, and you're seeing that oh, they're... That's the streaming budget compared to basic cable. Exactly, and it's a day and night difference, but they're doing some really cool things. Like they they show one scene where Superman can't make it to see Connor, but he gets glasses so he can see him all the ways out in space because he has to go save a galaxy from exploding and killing millions of people. And he gets a card saying, like, the minute I get back, I want to meet you. I definitely don't want to brush this off. Because on the flip side, they have introduced Lex Luthor onto this show. And I thought Titus Welvere, who plays Lex on this, phenomenal job. Like, he definitely captured the the arrogant essence of he is the greatest human on the planet. And it's his job to stop Superman because he wants to save the world vibe. Loved his character. And especially when he's so ruthless about trying to acquire power to take out, to basically extend his life. And they do start dealing into a lot of the mythology of the Titans because they've introduced Brother Blood this season. Mm-hmm. So if you know anything about the character, Joseph Morgan is playing him. Definitely has been a longtime antagonist to the Titans, and his story is just getting started. So it's kind of a really weird thing going on, but obviously you're talking about the his cult and all that kind of weird stuff is eventually coming. So there's definitely some room to grow there as well. And episode one really ends with a curveball because after the Titans are kind of figuring out their own way, Beast Boy is having some problems with his powers. Starfire has really kind of grown into she's now a superhero and finding her own power levels and kind of dabble in with that. When it goes right into the Lex stuff, Connor Kent is really trying to dive into his backstory. And this is something that, I mean, this is early Connor Kent days. We have to remember this. So he's kind of getting a lot from Lex's side of you, and Lex basically admits to him that, well, I'm dying, I want you to be my heir, and I really want you to understand, like, you know, what this means, because basically he gets told that he only has a couple months to live from, uh, I believe, kryptonite poisoning, Mm. which is something they've kind of dabbled around but really haven't dived into too much. But what is weird is he is originally connected and working for finding this power source, with uh, a archaeologist uh, that we think is uh, played by Franca Ponete, mm-hmm. uh, who actually turns out to be uh, not what she seems, a sorceress. And somehow he gets cursed, and this is where Pad would turn off right here. You see at one point Lex starts choking, and a huge cobra comes out of his mouth. Oh, fuck that. Horror yeah. plus snakes? Fuck that. Yeah, I know. Like The minute I saw him, I'm like, oh, Pad ain't watching this. So Superboy has to make the save, but Lex Luthor is killed. Asterix. Comics. So wait and see on this. So they now, the rest of the Titans have to go dig through and find out what happens. And it turns out that the doctor that was treating Lex this entire time, well, wasn't on the up and up. Same thing happens with him. You see snakes, blood, death. Boom. So Connor is exonerated, but now they're having to deal with Raven, who's kind of tapered into the brother blood aspect because you're seeing this haunting figure going around killing people and it is bloody. So I will say like, this is a moment. If you have a weak stomach, you probably want to turn away when this character is on there, Mm -hmm. but they do dive into the horror elements, which I really think is 
it's a cool way they're trying to spin the brother blood character, but it can be a little too intense at times. And you're just kind of seeing everybody's getting their moments. I did, I do feel though, right now as two episodes in, the Lex stuff was a lot stronger, but we're building, so you have to get that in stride. Because there's a great scene where Starfire breaks into Lex's penthouse and is just completely wasting his guards away. And she's saying, you're staying away from Connor because he reached out psionically to say, I want to meet you. And Lex is just sitting there completely in Lex mode, just drinking wine and just, no, you don't understand. I've been steps ahead of you and Richard, which it, I I got to admit, have you read in the comics any villain just keep calling Nightwing Richard? No. That's all he keeps doing is just calling him Richard. He's like, I know Richard is across the building and Richard is watching, but I have a gift for Richard. And it's, it, I, I have to admit, I laughed hysterically because all of a sudden you see Nightwing is there with Tim Drake, who is trying to learn how to become Robin. And I will say at Star Labs, did get his bow staff. Oh, okay. So that was a cool moment. Courtesy of Bruce Wayne, who was paying for this trip too. So I digress. That's kind of something that I think will come back later on. And now you, see, you have to see Nightwing fight ninjas. And oh, it, it, okay. It, like, this is a cool scene. And at the end, like Lex is like, I really like those guys. Just how the mannerisms were for Lex was perfect with this. So like I say, they're kind of jumping around a little bit with some areas. They're now starting to get into the brother blood aspect because Lex has been quote-unquote killed off. I don't know how permanent that's going to be, but I am interested to see how this is going to play out in the future. And I will say this. If you've been turned off by Titans before, Season 3 is a lot better than... like Season 1 is not great. Season 1 has great episodes, albeit though, in my opinion, few and far between. Okay. Season two is a lot better, but it's Deathstroke. You can't go wrong with Deathstroke. Albeit though their season premiere, not the greatest thing in the world, and there's in their finale I got issues with. Different reasons you can go through the catalog I remember talking about it on the show. Season three though, a lot better though. They got down to Gotham, really played into a lot of cool elements with Scarecrow. And now this season, I think they're really coming out on a strong foot. So I'm excited to check this out. I will be talking about this more as the weeks are progressing. So definitely, if you've been checking this show out, hit me up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. And let me know what you thought about Titans so far. I know our friends over at Metalcore Nerds and Hopskeeks News have gotten a chance to actually screen a couple episodes. So they gave some great reviews about this. And I have to echo their, their statements. I thought they had a lot of strong things going on with this. So definitely, you want to keep your eye out for this show if you're looking for something to stream. Also, remember, check out the perif- peripheral on Amazon Prime Video too. I'll really plug that show. I actually dig it. Okay, so comic shop wise, man, there is a lot of good stuff coming out this week. A lot. And there was a book that came out. Now, Pad, are you into all ages books? Maybe. It's kind of like depends on the depends on what it is. Yeah. There's a book that came out called The Ghost of Wreckers Cove. And it's written by Leniers, who's uh, an Eisner winner. Okay. Angela DeCampo. And it's a very it's an all ages story. And it's done here, and I'm going to show Pat some of the artwork, too. So it definitely has a, oh, okay, a, a yeah. certain feel to it. Yeah. And it's about a family who uh, the mother has passed away. The father takes the two girls out of the city, and they're now at a cove off Maine. And they're by an abandoned lighthouse. Mm. And as they're you know finding their ways, because obviously when you leave the city for the quiet beach life, uh, it doesn't really go that well. And they do come across a mysterious stranger and once they run into her, this story really kind of goes off into some really cool directions. I have to say, like, I was really impressed with it. I, I thought for an all-ages story, it's one you can, you know, read to your kids. And, and definitely one that even if you're an older reader, you can definitely appreciate the story going on here. Because it does have a very cool 
plot twists here and there, some stuff that was catching me off guard. So I definitely dug it and definitely think it's one to keep your eye on at the Comixology Originals line too this week. Because like I say, it's, it's kind of a long read. It is a graphic novel, but it's well worth the time. I think it was really well done. Also on Comixology Originals, you know I'm a huge fan of this. Dudley Datsun in the Forever Machine number three. Mm-hmm. Scott Snyder, Jamal Igle. I will tell you this. This book continues to impress me with the creative direction it goes. This is an all-ages read, too. A lot of adventure in this. A lot of really fascinating things that Scott and Jamal are really mixing up and presenting here. Because the story of the inventor whose life has been turned upside down as he becomes involved in this like weird plot of, you know, almost like you want to say global domination, but it's yeah. It yeah. just... He gets really sucked into this crazy life, and it goes into some very, very cool directions. I love the dynamic that he has with uh, his pet dog, if you will, Mm. because as I'm showing Pad right now, the original artwork. Okay. Yeah, things have kind of changed a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yes. As you see, he's uh, definitely working with Dialyst. The uh, dog of his former mentor, actually, and just the directions now the story is going in. Very cool thing going on here. So if you're looking for something, I always kind of equate it to, like, the Fantastic Four vibe. Like, there's just a lot of, like, really cool energy coming out of this. And the creativity that both Scott and and Jamal are doing for this book is just some of the best stuff you're going to read in all comics. So I can't recommend it enough. If you haven't seen the first two issues, definitely make a point to go check it out on Comixology Originals. And I tell you what, you'll be definitely hooked on this book. If, if you're into something that's just fun and vibrant, this is the book to go check out. Also, Boom Studios has a number one out pad. I know you won't read it because it's kind of a horror vibe. Nope, I'm out. But it catches a lot of the essence of Stranger Things to a degree. Mm-hmm. It's called Specs. So number one, Specs number one is out by David M. Booher and Chris Sheehan. Uh, you... Definitely some big names in comics. And they're telling about a story about these two teenage boys in the 1980s who come across an old comic that, Pat, I'm showing you the picture right now. What kind of vibe is this? Weird as fuck. It's weird, but this is something from the 1970s when you used to go subscribe. Like, you turn in, like, you know, five proofs of purchases and you get, like, a free you know, a tattoo or something mailed to you, like an action figure or something. Well, in this situation, they come across this old comic that has magic specs in it, so magic shades, and it basically grants wishes. And when the boys come across it, they definitely have two very interesting stories going on, and when they start using the shades, uh, things happen. And something transpires as they're using this that takes this book into a whole different direction i think this was very well done i'm super excited to check this book out definitely has a stranger things vibe to it but not so much like i say it really captures the 1980s feel and just where this story is going like i say after one issue they definitely teased it around they definitely gave you a lot to work with and the two main characters and how their stories are going to be playing out here as they're now tied into a bigger supernatural mystery going on Oh, man, there's so much win with this book. You definitely want to make sure you check this out. Also, from our friends over at Black Market Narrative and Image Comics, Radiant Black number 19 is out. Kyle Higgins, Marcelo Costa, bring back the main flagship show because they took a little break to talk about Radiant Yellow past couple issues. They come back in a big way, kicking off a huge new story arc 
with big implications. I'm not going to spoil anything right now, but if you're a big fan of the Massiverse and you know we are here on the ODPH, a lot of win to be had. From DC Comics this week, Pad, are you familiar with the old school Image Comics since we're talking Image? No. Wildcats, the original Jim Lee book that was out way back when? Nope. Oh, you should check it out. I mean, phenomenal artwork was Jim Lee. But obviously it's gone through some transitions throughout the years. It's now coming back as a number one uh, on DC Comics. So interested to see how this retelling is going to be happening going on here. Matthew Rosenberg is writing Stefan Segovia is drawing, and I tell you what, the book looks very, very impressive. So as an old-school Image Comics fan, I'm going to go check this out because I, I'm just a sucker for that nostalgia. Like, that's just something that plays right into my wheelhouse. So that being said, make sure to go check out some great comics that are out at your local comic shops this week and on Comixology Originals. Like, go support the medium. A lot of great creators are doing some fantastic work. And uh, unfortunately, going to end this on a very sad note as it broke this morning. Carlos Pacheo, uh, who is a legendary artist for DC and uh, Marvel. Uh, he's drawn everything from Superman to the uh, X-Men. Uh, unfortunately, passed away um, as a result from ALS, uh, 60 years old. So definitely our heartfelt condolences out to his family, friends, and fans all over the world. Uh, one of my favorite artists growing up. Um, like I say, I always remember his, his X-Men stuff just really jumped out to me and like I say, he's done so much like with Marvel and, and DC. Uh, just like I say, phenomenal work, just top shelf, top to bottom. Like and like I say, this is just absolutely heartbreaking to hear this morning. So definitely want to send our condolences out about him as well. So that said, I, I think we'll just kind of wrap it up. Just saying for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you definitely want to check out odphpodcast.com. That's all for this week. So for the one only Padawan J. Uh, just some crazy video game news that came down today. Animal Crossing's New Horizons has now sold 10.45 million copies in Japan alone since it was uh, released on the Switch in 2020. It has surpassed Pokemon Red, Green, and Blue, which sold 10.23 million copies in Japan. Uh, folks, that record has stood since the February 1996. That's insane. That's fucking crazy. That's absolutely wild. Although, admittedly, 2020 and people being locked in their houses has a lot to do with it. Still impressive. Yeah. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.